up there, Foxes fans, and welcome back to another edition of the U.S. Foxes podcast. Coming to you live, as always, from various parts of the United States. As always, I'm your host, Matt Folks, joined by my co-hosts, Mr. Chris Warner, up in San Diego as well, Mr. Jason Becker in New York City, and Mr. Jim Harris down in Houston. Boys, um, boy, I, yeah, you know, I usually run these things, and I got to be honest with you. Um, first of all, apologies to our listeners for coming a little late this week, at, and we appreciate you waiting and, and holding on for us. Uh, but I, I'm just, I am in such a bad mood still, uh, three days removed from this thing, um, that I'm hoping you boys are going to say things that are going to make me feel a little bit better. Chris, we'll start with you, bud. How have, how have you been handling this? They say time's a healer, Matt. Um, I feel less angry. And I think it did that first 24 hours, like pretty much all Leicester fans. But going back and occasionally just seeing on your social media feed a couple of the incidents that I think we'll talk about today, today just really infuriates me again. I think I remember back in the 90s when we used to say it was Fergie time at Old Trafford. He'd look at his watch and all of a sudden it'd be 10 minutes. It just felt like, again, that we've got the new... Is it 10 hack time or whatever we want to call it, where we were just going to get screwed by VAR? So now I'm equally frustrated, mate. I thought we were going into that. We're going into that game positive, upbeat. You listen to how we talked last week, and it just felt like the game was taken away from us through those two decisions. I'm glad time heals all wounds for you because for me, it has done the opposite. It has just been a hot poker shoved into an orifice on me an angry orifice jason how about you dude well um i don't know what i can make you feel you know about the game but you know you do look like you need a little cheering up and i can't quite see because of the blue bar there but is that a is that a damari grayson hoodie it is yeah it is i gotta say (laughs) it it looks looks fantastic and uh, not something that i would be able to pull off but you can do it man it looks looks fresh for those of you that aren't watching live it is not a actual hoodie with damari grayson's face on it but uh, just to clear that up uh so i uh but i just you know thought 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 i'd just send that little compliment your way maybe maybe lift your spirits love you buddy you're always you're always good for my confidence jimmy um how about you dude i'm I'm slowly getting over it i was i was chatting to chris earlier and I thought I had got over it and I started rewatching the game again. And literally just before we started recording was the 40, 42nd minute or 41st minute. And my knee is still hurting from Sunday. So I don't know about wild fasters. Well, that's one thing we will definitely get into. Um, let's dive right into the match boys. Uh, Old Trafford away. Um, in the recent history of Leicester city, actually not been that terrible of a venue for us to play um boys head in as you were saying jason so confidently um with you know playing the best football that we've played all season Ianacho's in incredible form new signings are playing left and right and guys the match starts off much uh the way that we thought and hoped that it might um we come out flying the same team that we have been seeing. We looked like a team that was making Man United extremely uncomfortable um, all over the pitch. Um, Chris, I guess give your your thoughts when we, we started watching that at the Bluefoot together and, and just seeing the guys fly around and 
I, I mean, how high was your confidence, say, after, you know, minute 20? Well, yeah, well, I think it was a roller coaster the first 20 minutes. I mean, me and Jim were talking about it beforehand, but that first five minutes, United absolutely battered us. And it felt like we needed to get out of our own, just get out of that and survive it. And as we did that, we started to come into the game. And yeah, we had chances, mate. That first 20 minutes, there was Barnes, the Ianacho header with the Gale with an incredible save to put that out. Um, we played fluid football. We were fast. We were aggressive. We kind of continued that momentum from the Tottenham game. And you kind of felt like it was coming. And I think it just, again, reiterates what we've said, that like given those situations, we've got to be ruthless and we've got to pounce. Because if we don't do that, then it will cost us. And I think that's what happened. That initial five minutes of uncomfortableness, uh, Jason, led to, yeah, um, quite quite the display. Your thoughts on the initial uh, beginnings of the match? Yeah, you know, when you go to a place like Old Trafford against a team like this season's Man United, you really need to just make sure that you you survive, right, that, that initial onslaught. They're going to come out on the front foot. But we did a really good job of um, just flipping the game around, pressing really high up the pitch, Getting those fullbacks bombing up the pitch because Stani was getting up so far, getting into really threatening positions. Him and Tete working well together. Barnes was flying. We were pressing really well, like as a unit, making Man United just like super uncomfortable. Um, and it led to, to to quality chances. But I think, um, with as well as we were playing, um, I don't know if you guys felt the same way, but I kind of kept turning around to everyone that I was watching with in New York and just say, oh man, you know, if you don't take these chances now, it's it's going to come back and, and bite us in the ass. Jim, you kind of in the same, um, same vehicle with all of us on that. Yes. Um, yeah. First five minutes was worrying. It, it looked like all of, all the good stuff we'd done the last couple of weeks could be undone and man, you were up for it, but then, we held on. I think that was the most important thing. And it was just kind of grinding away and then just keeping the ball. And I remember watching the commentary and sort of saying, you know, they, you know, they made a comment about, look, we're just keep, we're just going to now get used to having the ball again. And I felt like that was what we did for like a minute or two. And then we were able to start building that momentum. The other chance that I think, wasn't as clear cut, you know, the Harvey Barnes one, it was just put your foot through it. And he just, it was, I think he was just a little bit behind him after his first touch. So he couldn't get the power. And so he couldn't, and also couldn't get the direction either side of the hair. It was a wonderful save, obviously. Um, and then Madison put Ianacho through as well. And he sort of touched it, had a bad touch, took it wide. And then the chance was gone and he kind of fell over when he, when he had the shot. And then obviously we had, um, uh, the first sighting of Harry Suter from a corner where he kind of had a header over the bar. And I was like, Oh, this is like, this is going to be spicy and we're going to, we're going to, we could get something from this, you know, then the like wonderful save from that header, you know, like Jason said, Tete was very, very quiet and he let Luke Shaw sort of maraud for the first five, six minutes. And then obviously someone said something and it clicked back and then we were, we were attacking into that space. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was like really positive. And I think the first 24 and a half minutes, we 
from from the first five minutes in to the 24th and a half minute we controlled the game and uh, i don't know if i can talk about the goal or i can let someone else talk about it but um i feel like actually because we were so doing so well that's what led to the them scoring because it was a lapse in concentration from mm-hmm. our boy wild fast who just took a terrible first touch and then i don't know what that like what he was doing with that pass or whatever it was and it just let them in and then he tried to make up for his mistake and you can't you can't do that and leave Rashford like 30 yards to run into yeah um we've we've spoke about you know how for you know the potency of our offense we've spoke about the 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 defense being the real question mark Jason uh talk about that goal yeah well I think uh you know going leading up to that game that was the the area that we talked about right that space in um, behind our, you know, in that area, in that left side, like where, where Rashford can run in, um, you know, the, the space that our fullbacks would leave behind. And that's exactly where he found himself. And, um, you know, we just kind of made a mess of, of that play. And, um, you know, Foss, I, I like him a lot. I think he's... Um, uh, he's aggressive. He plays on the front foot. He tries to make plays. Sometimes that's going to burn you, and it, it certainly did there. And you know, he he, like Jim said, tried to make up for for that error, um, and then just you know, in a in a rash moment, no pun intended, didn't look around to see that you know, Mark that the best goal scorer in Europe right now was going to be wide open. And, um, you know, I know, I know Danny Ward gets a lot of flack for, um, how he's been this season and, and the amount of goals that we've let in, but don't really think there was much he could do there. Rashford's charging it on you home free. There was another runner in the, in the middle of the, uh, of the pitch too. And, um, it, you know, it was a, it was a tidy finish, but, you know, as soon as Rashford got the ball in that space, we, we all knew there was only one outcome there and that was going to be one nil to United. Yeah, I can't give Marcus Rashford that. You know, if, we, if we're talking about a Richarlison or something, you can get away with that. And Danny can only make himself so big, Chris. Uh, I guess your view of that goal. Um, and, and Yeah, echo the boys' comments. I think it it's one of those tough situations because I think, like we talked about before that, we were playing quite nicely out the back. We were spreading the ball about. And, of course, they're going to have confidence, those two centre-halves are. And... What is the one thing that's often quite detrimental is a confidence centre half, and it was a it was a crap first touch. It, I agree with Jason. I don't know what he's doing for the second one at that point. Put it over the stand, but um, yeah, I think we had trouble as a bigger picture. I think one of the great things that Rashford does nowadays is he doesn't just sit out wide. He very much plays through the middle, and I think we struggled a lot during that game with his movement across the line, especially for the second goal as well, where he was out on the left, I think it was. So I think we showed a lot um, in that sense. But yeah, just a, just one of those mistakes, Matt. And I think that was kind of the an imp- antithesis of the entire game was just a little mistake on our end was just capitalised by United every time. Yeah, and I think too, it, 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 came, on, it came at a time when we were, really the we had the foot on the gas and and it, you could almost kind of see the guys it was such it, 
if anybody else, like I said, if it, but you see Marcus Rashford away on that, you know what's going to happen. So it was almost just like, shit. All right, let's let's regroup and get going. Unfortunately uh, for us, and we didn't know this going into the match, but we were actually going to be playing twelve people um, instead of the normal eleven that we normally place uh, because Stuart Atwell decided to start influencing uh, the game after that. Um, we go into halftime one nothing. Um, anything else you guys want to touch on that? Besides, I mean, really the the key yeah. points for that first half for me are De Gea um, saving their ass and um, yeah, defensive lapses, Jason. Well, yeah. Also, you know, Dallow had a, like a chance that he he really should have scored. Um, yeah, we screwed up. And again, it was a you know, um, you know, kind of a, a lapse along our, our our left side of defense, and um, I don't know how he missed that. Um, so you know, uh, it could have could have easily been a, been another goal for for Man United there, but I, I think it kind of um, summed up um, you know before we get into sort of the the, the, the controversies in the game, uh, we do we we know how to attack like when we have all of our players on the pitch when we can play our you know choice eleven, there's no doubt that that this Leicester team can create chances and make goals happen. It just you know. De Gea played great and just the ball just wasn't going in the net for us, but we still, you know, leave a lot to be desired in, in the back. Um, you know, Spurs were, we played well defensively against Spurs. I, I, I'll give that to the boys. Um, but against Villa, poof, I mean, Villa could have easily gotten more, more than two goals. And it just kind of just shows this has kind of been a running theme over the last couple of years. Right. No matter how good we are going forward, um, we're always liable to, to kind of give give something away in the back. Well summarized, Chris. Any other touches before we dive into this? No. Go on, Matt. All yours, mate. Well, take it over. You know, I think we we come out and and for that first half, their missed chances, our missed chances, they saves. I think that we are still a hundred percent in this match, and you know. I don't know if so. I I hate doing this and I hate that the fucking league keeps putting me in a position to have to put on a tinfoil hat. But dude, how you can look at that second half of football and and not put on a tinfoil hat, I, I really, really struggle. Uh, Jason, what do you think, bud? Well, it, um, it goes back before the, the, the second half, right? With that, um, with the stuff, with Sabitzer's, Studs yeah, yeah, on that's... on on Wafas's knee towards the end of the first half. Yeah, let's um, dive into that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, well, if there's, um, I guess, a moral victory there for us, it's that pretty much every um, neutral who watched that game agreed that that should have been a red card, and and not and non-neutrals. Gary Neville said it was a red card. Gary Neville, I mean, and even um, some of the, you know, the, the the pundits in the UK who are who are known for, you know, backing referee decisions or you know, a bit of a big six, six bias, um, you know, the talk sport sport talking heads too. I mean, it was pretty unanimous that that most folks felt that 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 should have been a red card. I think it, you know, it, it it should have been. You don't need a whole lot of force in in um, to damage someone's knee um, when, when someone's standing up, and it just you know the the 
usually when we look at these VAR decisions, they're played in super slow-mo, which I think it made it look even worse. Um, it was, it was bad. And I think, um, they, they missed that one. Now, um, there's the old meme that goes around like VAR, you know, checking club badge. And I, I do think that most of us feel like if that were, a, uh, maybe, I don't know, uh, Dewsbury Hall putting his studs on, um, you know, a, um, a United players like there, that it would probably have been a, a red card. I think what we're seeing and is just, I, I, I won't go so far as to say there's a conspiracy. I think what we're seeing is just jet, like just constant incompetence um, and guys who just don't, can't have not been able to keep up with the with the quality and the pace of play, and we have a really weird system. Or we or the the Premier League has a really weird system where the guys who are not very good at making decisions on the pitch are also the ones now looking at a monitor and trying to make decisions there. And we've seen how much of a debacle it's been. Just last week, they forgot to put lines on for an offside check in the Arsenal game. It's an absolute mess. They don't know what the hell they're doing. They're not good at their jobs. And we have, you know, people, poor performers, kind of overseeing poor performers. And it just leads to just, just awful decisions. And, and it's happening like every week. And not only that, they don't even know really what the rules are and how to apply them. And they're constantly changing the rules. So I don't know. I'll hear anyone out if they want to, you know, um, say there's some some corruption here. I, I'm at the point, man, where I just think they just suck. I just think they're terrible. They don't know what the hell they're doing. It's interesting because there's kind of a dichotomy right here with with the NFL um, and how bad some of the NFL decisions we we saw this year and and lots of calls for the NFL refs deciding outcomes. So to see the way that they're handled, we saw the head of VAR. Uh, was he the head or he was just a VAR ref? He was disciplined. Now he's gone. Um, we saw that earlier this week. So it, it is, does appear that they're trying to fix it. Um, but I, I don't know how you can look at that challenge there um, from an objective standpoint and then go ahead and watch the perfect Mindy challenge um, that becomes a yellow because it's Marcus Rashford. Um, I, so c- maybe conspiracy isn't the right word, but there's a, there's a fucking word there for it somewhere that I, I'm just struggling for. Um, by it, I you know I don't. Chris, what what do you what are your thoughts on this? Because when it's that black and white, we have photos of Atwell staring at the knee at it happening. He doesn't even give a caution. He gives nothing. And then, you know, we watch them in the perfect challenge, then get it, you know, that much later. Yeah, I 100% firstly, 100% agree with Jason. I think this stems from just incompetence throughout the league. I think if you ask every fan across the US of every Premier League team, they'll give you five similar, not the same, but similar instances this year where VIR has done them in. Um, regarding the differences, I think there's two questions here. And I think that the Premier League just does an awful job in communicating 
the processes. There was stuff leaking out at halftime about, well, Atwell's, they thought it might be a yellow card, but they can't give a yellow card and therefore they can't do anything. Like, firstly, we need to know whether or not the ref saw it. Yeah. Secondly, from that point, that's when the mechanism of VAR kicks in. Because if he didn't see it, then he's got to go to the screen and have a look. You can't, with a tackle, like Jason said, above the knee, with his side profile, it looks like, it. just looking at it, it looks like he's trying to stamp down on the ball. And I don't think he deliberately went for that, went no. for that in any way. But just the demeanour of the way that he's on his side profile, you've got to go see it. Now, if Atwell did see it, then Matt, to your point, again, I think it's just incompetence by the Premier League referee in that instance. But just a shocking decision. Absolutely shocking. And I've heard this story about this notion of intent and maybe it looked, it was soft and it just absolute rubbish. I mean, when and he's above the knee. He's coming down at his knee. This is career-ending injuries happen because of tackles like that. So you can't tell me it's, oh, he just tapped him and let his foot go. No, we need to eliminate those challenges from the game. That's career-enders. And, yeah, just fuming when that happened, mate. We were together and we just couldn't understand it at all, could we? Yeah, and, and it, what, what compounds it and makes it so much more frustrating is when the league, in response, is just like, yeah. Sorry about it. Yeah, it's just, nothing near, nothing near to see, Jim. Uh, your thoughts? Look, I think I can't, I can't disagree with anything that my my friends have said. But at minimum, it's a yellow for dangerous play. Like I don't care what you know. Yeah, red, whatever. But to to not have anything for that, it was ridiculous. Um, I think Jason's right. I think the word, Matt, you're looking for is incompetence, where it is just people who are not able to do the job that they are hired to do. And we've seen a lot, like a couple of the better referees leave the league in the last couple of years. And I think there's not been the talent to come through. Think about the, the guy who was on VAR duty the other week, and he's now like off VAR and he's not even that's the Premier League anymore. Yeah, that's what I was um, speaking of. Where do, you, where do you backfill them from if there's no one else who's got that um, level of skill? You know, I I haven't noticed Stuart Atwell being terrible before this game. Obviously, I've not like forensically watched him to think about every decision he's made. I think the frustrating thing was, okay, nothing was done. He didn't go look at the monitor, as Chris said. He didn't, like, he just took the word of the, the, the fourth official and um that was it right he just basically carried on with the game we got it was i think whether it was also because it's right before half time you know he trusts paul tierney because paul tierney is one of the more experienced referees as well so but like if it's not even maybe they just said look hey you know what dude it's a yellow card there's no point you're going to look you can't under the way that var is today you can't do anything we can't do anything. But I think it'd be nice for them to come out and say, you know what? We made a mistake. That was like, and not necessarily the referee, because we know that they don't come and do that. But like the referees associated say, like, this was a mistake. We've talked about it. There's a lessons learned. We, we studied it. We think it's crappy as well that we're not allowed to kind of do, you know, they, they can't go crazy and say every foul is a VAR and a yellow card because we're going to have millions of, but but things like that where it's dangerous play, where it's clearly on, you know, 
on the bordering of reckless, I think the big I got into sort of talking on Twitter with a few people like, well, it's not he's not gone in with intent. He didn't mean it. It's like that doesn't matter. Dangerous play and recklessness are not don't have intent behind them. So that's the frustrating thing. Maybe it was like, oh well, you know, we'll get in. It's all it's right before halftime. Let's just let you know to quote, you know, Shaun of the Dead, let's all like have a cup of tea and hope this blows over. Um, and then, you know, we come out and I, you know, like Rashford's second goal, the the line drawing on Dude. the diagonal line drawing is kind of more frustrating. You know, we feel hard done by, you know, you talked yeah. about Papi Mendy. I don't want this to, like, I don't know if you guys want this to be a, a, a podcast about refereeing decisions. I don't really want to. Um, but the league, because, they give us no choice, Jim, yeah. with, with refereeing this fucking shitty you have no choice but to spend 15 minutes now talking about Stuart Atwell like it's just insane dude but I, I think the biggest thing that I sort of saw was clearly at halftime that had sort of like they talked about that and there was two ways it could go like they'd be pumped up or they kind of felt a bit hard done by and I think we were semi-pumped up and we kind of just started squeezing, squeezing, squeezing. And unfortunately, that caused a huge... Like, think about the first goal and how much room Rashford had, but that was from a mistake. The second goal was us trying to, like, squeeze them back in their own half. Um, they changed their formation at mm -hmm. halftime as well, completely. You know, they put Rashford on the left because I think the reason they did that was because I felt like... Um, Garnacho was playing pretty well on the left. and But I think the thing was they saw like, oh, we are getting pushed down our right, our left backside because Castagna is pushing forward. He's an attacking fullback. So like, how do we pin him back? We put Rashford on the left. I think Fernandez had, like, I don't like Bruno Fernandez at all or Bruno Fernandes, depending on who you listen to. But he had a phenomenal game and he didn't roll around on the ground as much. Um, but he was playing like on on the right wing, which and then you know, looking at where Sancho came and he kind of was floating, and I think that was really really good tactical tactical change that they saw. We've got a chase. We're going to kind of go be reckless. We're going to have to win the ball back and do something. Um, let's put Rashford in the spot where they're vacating, and it paid off for their second goal. And I think. And then the third goal, you know, that was again, you know, Valtfast getting turned around like a nut job, right? But we then tried to try and get back in it. And I think the thing, the thing is for me, and this is why I didn't want to talk about the ref. I think we're going to have a like. I think there might be a response on Saturday, um, because I think we'll feel hard done by. We there's some things we can learn from in the way that we defend that we should start cutting out. And if we keep playing forwards like we have been. That to me is something we can take away as a positive from this, this, this game and this like debacle where a referee decision turned it, and then we got punished and punished and punished after that. Is how I feel this game, last game went. Yeah, um, it was. You could see there were clearly two different kind of team talks um, in, at halftime. United really came out and looked like a much better, better side. Um, later on in the, in the half, Mendy gets his yellow card. 
he you can see how much that impacted how he was playing he was very afraid to to go on for a tackle um there were united folks at the at the bar with us watching and every single one of them uh was could not be convinced that rashford was onside they even felt like he he was clearly offside i mean um they where they drew the line on Foss, yeah. it just yeah still it was it was it, um, it, it yeah it, it was, was on the bad. outside of his um not on the armpit which is the law var and they and, yeah and it wasn't and the angle like obviously we we know there's more than one camera that we see yeah. on tv because we've been to the ground and we've seen there's maybe 30 cameras or something for var right and so they must have seen something different from us. Sorry, Matt. Yeah. No, I did. Well, Go ahead, Jason. Oh, I was gonna say, well, the the Premier League gets into that, right? They like in their like rules page and they talk about VAR. They use an example in the Spurs game. And it's like, well, you know, the camera angles aren't always, you know, um, don't always uh, they can be misleading. And for example, here Eric Dyer's um knee a head looks like it's closer to the goal his knee but then when you actually look at the photo it's like no actually his knee is clearly close to the goal so i don't even know what the hell they're seeing in the example that they're using to kind of clear this up for everyone so who is drawing these lines right do we have um some kind of graphic designer or geometry whiz or is it just another freaking random person sitting there is it the referee? Like, who's doing I think, this? I think it is the officials in the and so park. yeah. So and this so, is again, so, guys, compounding my point. Go ahead, Jason, finish your point. I was going to say if they're the ones doing that, it reminds me there was a story that was like in New York when when LASIK came out. There was um, this uh, um, uh, eye doctor's practice got in trouble because he the guy was uh, he was training garbage men to kind of do LASIK so he could do more procedures and, and rake in the money. And I'm sorry, these guys are not even probably writing down the wrong numbers half the time when they're giving out on their yellow cards. And now we're expecting them to kind of triangulate these plays and, and, and draw these lines. Like they're like, um, I don't know, working for the U S air force and like doing drugs, like, what are we doing here right and that's like what the hell are we doing that's where i almost like just skipped skipped because it was so egregious dude like the sabitzer thing whatever it's it's you can say you know it's his opinion or whatever when they're fucking drawing lines bro and we can see in the bar in san diego california we're watching a tv and we see this all happening and it like almost happened in slow motion it felt like the way the decision came down because it comes it's called offsides and then there's that lull where it's like why aren't we what's what's going on what and, and then it says they're going and i knew immediately it was like rashford getting in on the first goal i knew it was going to be a fucking goal he, he would he, he didn't even ahead. protest he was he was basically he was waving his finger no usually guys are waving it he was telling his teammates like no it's, it's not a goal yeah yeah he but when when we're watching on not even i mean love the blue foot not the best tv so but you, it's so clear though that you can see a green line that is thinner 
up top and as it gets down it gets thicker that to me is there's nothing else to well, call that well you but... for, matt you forget about the pixelated zoom in moment i don't know if you guys caught that on the at one point they like zoomed right into faust's shoulder and it was just this pixelated blur mm. trying to figure out oh where do we draw the line down to try and figure out where his actual shoulder is it yeah <laughs> I, I, that's why you know and i said the tinfoil and people say oh you're you're nuts whatever it it's like this is the biggest league on earth they have more money than any league on earth you can't tell me that they couldn't fix this with a camera that i've seen them they have them that run like sideline uh, the entire length of the sideline and it can track the last person and they can run with it the, the fact that that is not there leads you to, well, why isn't that there? Because they want to use VAR for match fixing. Why want to use VAR for helping the bigger clubs? That's when these questions arise, when the technology exists to get it fucking right. But instead, you're going to insult us by drawing a line. And then even deeper in the week, we had a guy that's a, that's a professional Photoshop guy take it and put it through uh, the Adobe Photoshop. They have a thing that... Cor- literally the computer breaks down lines and shows you how even and shows clearly that they widen the line to fit the narrative that he was on side and that's where you you look at things like that and somebody be the voice of reason here to try to, to if any of you can be because it was one of the most corrupt awful things i've ever seen in the history of sports in my opinion that was disgusting it was black and white in front of us and they still slap us in the face with it uh, I don't know if this will make you feel better, but I, I do think that that we've been on the wrong side of of worse decisions. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And we've benefited from some decisions as well. We have, we yeah. have, and totally fair. But I'm saying to then not show it. By the way, how many times do we see that VAR thing where then they show it like three times to show? Oh yes, they were right. They were right. They don't show it again. And. Oh. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say you just reminded me. I'm so sorry. I'm gonna I'm gonna forget to yeah, say it no. though. But I, I watched the extended highlights, um, and I mean the 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 the, the Sabitzer studs on 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 Watts knee are not in the official extended highlights, <laughs> like which is I think well I, I such a key moment in the game. The key but. word is extended highlights. <laughs> yeah, I, I I've seen I've noticed that before, Jason. That there's stuff like disallow goals occasionally don't make it as well and i think it's because i wonder if it's just someone at nbc who just doesn't really watch football and they're just like oh well it's just the goals and the shots and the exciting stuff let's just put them in like i've got i pulled up the stats on the var though and i've got a couple of points on that so the, the the team the most hard done by by var this is like espn is tracking it is brighton and they're like six goals worse potentially for their net score and net decisions um we are minus one man united a plus one so clearly they should be plus <laughs> yeah. two or three right now um but man city are at the bottom of the league in decisions mate as well um and you've got brentford fulham liverpool newcastle villa up top um but i, I think the other thing is on this on this we've i think we've spoken and we've heard watching sort of just the premier league since the restart We've heard about VAR more in the what? When when did we start? Two months ago. So just like just our boxing boxing day, right? Um, we've heard more about VAR decisions being shit 
than in the entire World Cup. Yeah. And one of the things that yeah. we've always said is, oh, the officiating in the Premier League is way better than the rest of Europe. It's way better than oh, I don't think I've because you have that. all these random people, you, know, you know, you have all these random referees who just, you know, don't do it. No offense to them. Probably I did offend them. So take that back. You have all these referees, you know, that aren't in the big leagues. Can they handle the pressure when they're refereeing? And like, it wasn't as disruptive. It wasn't, it didn't ruin the world cup. You know, other things ruined the world cup um, for, for the non non-playing stuff. But that to me is like, to your point, Matt, we had like it's the richest league in the world. It's can afford the technology. It can. It's the decisions that are being made are apart from pretty much the Champions League, the World Cup, and the European Championships are probably the most expensive. Probably more money than the World Cup and the international games that, that this hinges on. You know what's the what's the um, prize money per position? Like, is it ten million? pounds per position or something like that yeah i don't think the difference between position is that high i think it's closer to like between one and two okay well yeah okay that 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 makes more sense but um but i think like this is this is putting people in this is ruining like positions it could be in and out of europe it could be in and out of relegation Mm -hmm. you know let's say we go on you know if we go on a run and we get in the bottom three you know that's probably on us from now till the end of the season but if we if we don't stay up by, you know, I don't think this is the game, actually. Don't worry about it. I'm not going to go down the through. We got, I think, like, apart from those decisions, we got our butts kicked a bit. Definitely. Yeah, like, just, I, go ahead, Chris. Sorry. I was just going to echo Jim's point. You think about the World Cup. Who's in charge of referees at the World Cup? Pierre-Luigi Kalino, often probably considered and voted the best referee of pretty much recent history. Who we got in charge of VAR? We had Mike Riley, and now we got Mike Dean. Probably could two of the referees that if you ask anybody who's a fan of the Premier League would consider are probably down there in the bottom five of the decision-making processes when they're out on the pitch. So to Jim's point, I think the problem with VAR starts right at the top of it in terms of who's running it, who's defining what procedures are in place. And then to your point, Jason, as well, like who is, where is the responsibility and accountability for those actions of, I know it sounds daft, but drawing a line and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Like in order for it to be accepted by fans, it does feel like there's got to be more transparency that comes in because this season, this, like Jim said, this World Cup, since the World Cup, it's been shocking. Yeah. I don't, I don't, sorry. No, I was just going to say, but don't you think that that further p- proves why don't they want it to be transparent? Why don't they say, here? Uh, here's a 15-minute video on what happens in the VAR room. It would be so easy to produce and explain, but they don't do that shit, Jason. And it's like, why not? They're so slow on the uptake and kind of react so we have like this weird thing where it's like we've got these like a bunch of jobs worths that don't but also who just don't understand their jobs which is like the worst combination right sticklers for rules who don't really understand the rule like who don't know what they're doing and they're going to change the rule like it's it's just a complete mess um historic i historically British referees, I think, have had too much influence on 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 worldwide refereeing. Um, 
it's good to see that you know in this World Cup it wasn't as big of a problem. Um, they didn't have as much pull, but um, yeah, it's they. I, I don't think the league wants to admit that they have a problem because it's going to take too long to get qualified folks in those roles. So they're going to just kind of pretend that everything is okay. Um, and they're not going to make changes that, that are going to matter and, um, and improve the, um, the quality of, of the refereeing. And unfortunately, everyone watching this league can see that there's, there's a gap. There's a gap between the quality of play and, 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 um, and who's kind of, you know, running the games. Well, we also have the most arrogant referee ever running the, like VAR now. So to Chris's point, like the guy couldn't, he couldn't admit he made a mistake. If he wrote down two plus two equals five, he would argue that he was correct. So I don't think, I think that is to, to both Chris and Jason's point. That's like, that's not the attitude you need. You know, think about any other walk of life um, where like in, in business or to like in this sort of industry, you think about how well you perform and you and you take on the feedback and you adjust accordingly. Right. You know, um, so I think that's, you know, that's that's the biggest thing for me that. I, I guess they can hide behind the world. We're not allowed to change things mid-season and we're not allowed to do it because it's unfair on what happened before and then it stop, you know, changes it for going forward. But to at least kind of say, you know, this was a mistake or whatever, that this is why this decision was made, not made, would be great, I think. Right. Like, and it seemed like the players didn't really understand. Like you said, Jason, like Rashford kind of, you kind of thought, he thought he was offside, I think. Yeah, and and I think we, I think there was I don't know I got the sense that a lot of our players were like, screw it, let's just cut our losses here, let's get through this game. Nobody gets injured, and you know move on to Arsenal. Like this, we're not going to get anything out of this. So why even bother? Why even try? It's just it's they're literally taking a page out of Rod. We bring it back to the NFL again. Roger Goodell's playbook here that we watch that Chiefs Bengals game. The Chiefs get a free third down, um, and literally on Twitter, NFL is fixed is trending. There are so many people saying the NFL is fixed. This is clearly you know matchmaking um, or match fixing, uh, game fixing, whatever. And the NFL's response that Roger Goodell was asked about, you know. In the in the year in the Pro Bowl press conference, he said, "Are you at all concerned that your refereeing quality is so piss poor that this was trending? People are th- saying that the league is fixed." And he said, "No, no, we think they did the best job they've ever done. This is the best refereeing season of all time for the NFL." That's literally what he said. So uh, it's it's yeah, the same attitude um, with the with the prem where it's like, well, do something about it. There's nothing you can do about it. So fuck off. And I think that's where the frustration stems from, Chris. Yeah, totally. Although to go full circle and bring this back to the game, especially talking about, I just want to talk quickly about the third goal as well. Um, I, I I don't think it's a foul. I know Tealman's was all over the ref, 
uh, when the, after the third goal. But I don't think it's a foul. I think that's more Yuri trying to cover himself for an awful, awful decision to try and play it out like that. To without the communication of man on or man behind or anything like that, I think you're always going to get the centre. You're always going to get someone nipping for there. So yeah, I think two bad decisions. I'm not. The third one, I think, was more of just a self-inflicted mistake on our part versus it being do, do you anything referee-based. Do you think the the foul on Nacho was a foul though that was earlier? Yeah, no. the one the one earlier, I think you could give a foul. So wait, um, the one where Inacho had the defender on his back and misplayed the ball with his back, you know, around midfield. That yeah. was never a foul. He he miscontrolled the ball and he he tried to okay. buy buy one. I, that's what I thought. That that that's that's fair enough. I, I I thought it could have gone either way. I think the big thing is that's cost us is once again individual mistakes yeah. and lack of concentration. And unfortunately, Mister Fass is is a big prime suspect on that. I think I want to kind of talk about a couple of positives that I thought that Harry Suter played pretty well. And I think he had to kind of cover a lot of the, you know, the, the back line, Uh, you know, he, he was the one that I think gave us the solidity when Man United were all over us at the start. And I've been pretty impressed with him. Uh, I think Mendy showed during the start, I don't think he did, had a spectacular game, but I think he did the, he did the basics, right? I think Jewsbury Hall, as Jason said, was also very good defensively. I think there was a couple of moments when I just remember shouting at him and like, use your right foot, please. Because the, he did his usual, you know, especially as he's playing on the right of the two center mids. I still don't understand why he's the right center mid and Papi is the left center mid. Like just switch them, please, because then they can play to their strengths. Um I thought I thought Madison played like when he started getting into it, he played pretty well too. Um, and I thought it was one of Castagna's better games, for, certainly for the first half. Like others, meh, all right. You know, Danny Ward like didn't have a chance. I don't think with anything and what he did. He, you know, and then the, like I think it was also a game of two managers to me. Um, Ten Hag to Jason's point, he went in at halftime and guys were one nil up. We, we're probably quite lucky that we're winning. Um, but I've seen this, this, and this. Let's go for it. They're going to be like sloppy and let's just kill this game off. And they just did mm-hmm. that. It was like, boom. That was to me surgical, surgical for the first 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And then, like, what could we do? I thought our subs were pretty ineffectual. I think Booba looked like we'd got him from the stands the way he came and played. It's like, dude. You've been back, you know, you, you're not fit, clearly, but you can remember how to play football. Um, Yori's just lightweight, and I think there's maybe a discussion on, like, does he get back in the team if he's back fit? I don't think he does. I think Mendy and KDH are our center mids for Saturday because I'm really worried about, like, holding it together. So I think there's a few positives. We just, I think we just got to try and, spend this week like getting people to concentrate and and think through what they're doing and this like it's going to sound weird but wild fast looks like david luis but i think he's trying to play like david luis but he's not as good like some of the touches when he's just sort of jogging around <laughs> and sort of like 
traps it. That's what we conceded the first goal for. We nearly gave the ball away a second, like before the goal as well. We under hit a pass because he was like lackadaisical. So I think someone's just got to say, dude, you're, you're a good player. You've got all these things that are good for you. Don't do these things. Like it's not a case of do more. It's a case of do less for him, I think. What were your thoughts, Jim? You're going down the line, and you, you missed the a name that I was really curious the most from from all of you guys. Uh, uh, Ian Acho uh, and his performance. Um, we 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 talked about his tendency, you know, when when he's hot, look out. Uh, but then he, you know, for he'll have a hot game, a hot game, and then a stinker. Do you think this was uh, this was break down uh, Nacho's performance? I think he got worse. I think he started kind of like he had finished the last couple of games but then his touch left him and we've talked about we joked about this and he like sometimes he looks like he could you know he couldn't trap a you know he's playing with a beach ball right the way the ball bounced off him like you know the when we when I asked her like did you think it was a foul no like he he controlled it and it went like five you know yeah, five yeah. feet away from him right um I think what we saw is like that that when Madison put him through and he took that touch and it took him wide that was I was just screaming out like hit it dude just hit it the way the form you're in like especially after Barnes had been cleaned through so I think he starts because unfortunately once again and I'm for those watching wearing my Jamie Vardy t-shirt today um he came on and didn't really do anything again and apart from point a lot and sort of you know run around like blocking people like passing lanes, but at that point the game was gone. Yeah. Anyway, um, so I think like if if um, Dak is fit and you're three 0 down, just like get him a run out and and go for it. But yeah, I think Matt, I would stick with the same team for Saturday. To be honest, a for like the building some rhythm and momentum, and B, I I don't feel like what I've seen, like, I don't think we, I think we need a Mendy to be in there to stop the, the Arsenal team coming through the middle again. I don't know. Jason's looking like I'm going to win some money from him because his cards are not very good. I just miss prime and Didi. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, that's <laughs> I what we, I think that's what we need in the middle of the pitch. If we're going to actually break up play and stop play. And, but, um, you know, it's been a while since we've seen that, but mm. for me, that's the kind of missing piece in this in this lineup. Can get you know Madison playing further up the pitch, um, just gives that extra bit of um, security for um, for the back line as well. So um, yeah, I don't know. Praying for a miracle that suddenly um, something touches in Didi and kind of brings him back in time to, to to what he was a couple of years ago. To when Real yeah. Madrid were sniffing around him and other giants. Uh, otherwise, that's like, like apart from maybe securing Tete or a, a good right winger, I think that's the, like, obviously a goalie. I think we, we can go into that one. But um, we need a midfielder who can break up play and tackle, and but be progressive. Yeah, I totally agree, Jason. I didn't have him in my list of people to start on Saturday because he's not. <laughs> he's not there. 
Yeah, we need 25 getting back into uh, his old form. Um, so I guess, guys, in summary, we uh, we all agree that, yeah, we played, uh, played pretty shitty at times and could have played better and did not take the chances that we should have taken. But then also we're in agreements that it was also compounded by some just awful, awful, awful refereeing. Um, some of us think... Maybe it was intentional. So it was obviously, I think three of you are much more sane than I am uh, on that level. <laughs> I, I'll admit it. I'll admit it. Um, so, yeah, disappointing. Uh, but on we move um, to another huge, 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 huge match. Um, Arsenal on Saturday, 7 a.m. on the West Coast uh, time. So we get another hour of sleep there. Um, Chris, I'll start with you. Do we, do we, you know, lick our wounds and come back, or do we have our head uh, still hanging low from from that result? What do you think is going to turn out on Saturday? So I expect a response. I think we'll get a response. Um, I think that it'll be tough. Um, Arsenal top of the league for a reason. They've been very, very, very good this year. Um, some of the signings they've made have been exceptional, and they've what they've done really well is they've found or they've been able to get players in who, if they've had an injury or run of form, they've got somebody in. I think Nketiah is going to give us nightmares if we're not careful. Um, I'm a little bit worried to Jim and Jason's point about the midfield and the potential for us to be overrun there really quickly. But I do think if we can get the ball up the other end of the pitch, we'll have we'll give them... We'll give them a game. I mean, you think back to earlier this season, Matt, when we were surrounded by Arsenal fans at the Bluefoot, and it was a pretty entertaining game. It was, we did stuff, we had chances, it was back and forth for a while, we weren't afraid of them, which I thought was refreshing. So, yeah, I'm, I, I expect us to rally and have a performance. And I think one thing as well is that um, I expect the KP to be loud again. I think... Some mm. bring some momentum from the Tottenham game. The fans will get back into it, and so yeah, man, I'm I'm expecting us to at least give it a go. I don't think we'll just fall over and kind of just lay down for them. I expect us to give it a go. God bless your sweet positive face, uh, Jason. Your thoughts going into uh, Saturday? I don't think we have a choice but to go and give it a go. Um, you know, got the three points against Spurs. It was a little bit of a bonus. So now any other points out of this, you know, gauntlet of of fixtures is, you know, um, a bonus, I think, uh, before we really, really need to kind of pick up those wins and make sure we're safe from, from relegation. So, yeah, why not? You know, Arsenal can be beat. Um, didn't look amazing against, against Villa. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're – this isn't, you know, a game that we should definitely, definitely lose. I think there is, there are points to be had um, in the game. I just, you know, we expect a response, but, you know, over the last couple of, of, of seasons, those games, right, where, where we thought, okay, well, this is, this is where, when they show up, these boys, need, they definitely have a chip on their shoulder. They're going to be mad about the last week and what happened. This is a big game. Um We've thought that so many times over the last few years and not seen the team kind of come out with any any sense of urgency. So really hoping that um, there is a feeling of maybe injustice in in the locker room and on the training ground this week 
and that the guys kind of take it all out on Arsenal. I'm with you on that note, real quick. I don't want to jump back into it, but Jason, what were you? I know we had spoke after the match, and you you said that you were hoping Brendan was going to come out and you know really give it to the officials and say just what a what a shit show this was. What were your thoughts on the lack thereof of of, of Brendan? I mean, what your thoughts on Brendan's how he handled that situation? Um, I don't know. I just I think that's just what we're going to get from. Him. I, I didn't really watch all of his um, comments, so I, I, if I missed anything, uh, you know my bad toe to all the listeners and to you guys. It, I think it, he did say though, like, Hey, look, that's clearly a red card. I don't know what the hell they're looking at. So mm-hmm. at least he went out and did that. Um, you know, this is one of those things where you kind of can get a lot more of this from being at the game. Um, I didn't get the sense that he was really, you know, going after the refs much. I mean, that walk into the tunnel at halftime would have been a, a, a really good opportunity time, yeah. to give him a peace of mind and actually show his team, that like, hey, look, I'm out here fighting for you guys too. So um, if he did do that, you know, good for him. Um, I guess it didn't have the impact that he was hoping for if he did. But I don't, I don't think that any of that went on. Yeah, I don't think so either. It 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 just seemed like kind of a lukewarm he, uh, response, Jim. He doesn't tend to put it out there a lot, though. Really, does he? Yeah. Um, which is a frustration. I think we all have of yeah. him. Because yeah. I think just you know, other we see other managers go do it, right? Um, like, what do you think, think Jesse? Say what you will about Jesse Marsh. I guarantee you, he'd have handled that situation much damn differently uh, had that been him out there. Yeah, but I, I, I probably also gotten us, uh, you know, clinched in uh, in the relegation zone. Also, true. <laughs> yeah, exactly. True. Uh, yeah, I I think I kind of gave my thoughts a little bit on the next game already. I, I worry. I think Arsenal are going to be, I'm, I'm worried about Saka. Yeah. That he's just like, you talked about Nketiah, but Saka and Odegaard are just like the two that make them tick. I, I think the, like, I, I, I feel a lot more confident with uh, Christensen as yeah. left back against Saka than if we had Luke Thomas. Luke Thomas, um, yeah who you know uh, or you know whoever so i think that that's a positive um just kind of watching the arsenal game that against villa they they were a lot more counter-attacking i think they i don't how i don't know how much they'll press especially away from home or whether they'll kind of let us try and make a mistake and take take the game to them i do think i think i remember we talked before this series of games I don't know how many points we predicted out of this these four games. I think it was we said maybe like, hey, if we get three or four, we might we'll probably be happy. Yeah. And we've yeah. got six, so it's yeah, free here against the the top of the league team. Maybe what we can do is beat them and then celebrate like we won the league. That would be a fun fun little thing to do, wouldn't it? <laughs> that um, would be awesome. You know, who would do that? Who would who would celebrate <laughs> like they won the league? And they just uh, so. So yeah, that's that's an interesting. It's it's going to be a good game to watch, I think, and I'm hoping we are on the happy end of the the spectrum. Yeah, I'm 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 stoked for it. And to your point, you know, if I'd have told you back then that we were going to get six points out of those out of that run, I think we all would have ripped your arm off. Um, the other good news, take it as well that, but 
you know, when it comes time for crunch time, we're going to have a lot of these bigger, bigger club matches out of our way. And it's going to be us versus, you know, all of the fuckers that we're fighting against down there. And uh, so we'll, 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 I, I do like the positioning of, of, of our schedule uh, for that reason. So um, I think we're all, you know, in agreement that it, it's really going to depend on wh- how we come out against Arsenal. I think if we come out and we're lolling against them at all, they're just that team that is so dangerous this year that one one glaring mistake, one bad Walt Foss pass, and 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 it could be you know soccer Odegaard uh, feast season. So um, I'm, well, I think we'll know within the first ten minutes what kind of match it is. It's going to be. I, I'm I'm looking for the guys to come out angry. Hopefully, be pissed off that it's, it's us versus them mentality again. It's us versus not only the team but the league. We're not getting calls. They don't want us up here. So I hopefully we can coalesce around that as a group and and really use that as a springboard to put in a good performance. Because I think getting a point against Arsenal at home would be massive for us uh, in 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 this run that we're on right now. So, um, I uh, anything else we want to talk about before that Arsenal match, boys? Before we we talk about an important uh, anniversary that today has great um if you if you are watching live you can see uh jason's background it's a, a pr- pretty famous and awesome photograph from from lester's history 20 years ago today uh the club um faced some interesting times uh in administration uh that photo jason um comes from probably one of the coolest fan uh fan experiences and and things that that a fan might get to do about their club ever you want to you want to just touch and talk about the vote and and all that encompassed it yeah so um you know a lot of folks always think about the you know impossible dream at leicester city starting in 2015 um but i i think it goes back a bit further in the early 2000s uh, club were you know facing some really really awful financial times and um you know that was just a, just this perfect storm of calamities that that had happened, and suddenly we're faced with a uh, a lesser city that was very close to to being no more, uh, and a, a a group of local businessmen, kind of uh, headed by by the famous Gary Lineker, um, stepped in, got money together, made things happen, found all the legal loopholes. And we're able to kind of save the club. So these were a lot of them were were lifelong Leicester fans who were who were involved. Uh, Emil Heskey also chipped in a bit while he was an active Liverpool player. Um, but uh, the the acting chairman at the time, uh, John Holmes, uh, you know, just a, a great character and a, someone who's been very good and kind to me over the years, uh, had an idea that you know this is a time for a fresh start for the club. Uh, let's you know, you know, make a push to 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 move onwards and upwards. Um, and he put a vote out to the fans. So a lot of folks may not realize that Leicester City haven't always been called Leicester City Football Club. Um, the club was founded as Leicester Foss, and um, and back in the um, I guess close uh, in nineteen nineteen around around those uh, around that time, they felt that they ran into some um, some tough financial times after the first world war and uh, Lester had just been granted city status or city status. If you're on the other side of the pond, uh, a lot of that had to do with um, the city's efforts 
uh, uh, city's, you know, contributions to the war efforts and to kind of uh, mark the new beginnings of, of the club and to celebrate Leicester's new city status. Uh, the club was kind of reformed as Leicester City Football Club. Uh, so 20 years ago today or um, or or yesterday, if you're listening um, in pod pod, uh, uh, pod format day. tomorrow, uh, J- uh, John Holmes had, a, had an idea to um, to put a vote out to the fans to have the final say on whether or not to keep the name of the football club as Leicester City Football Club or to return to our original name, uh, Leicester Foss. And you can see they put it up to fans to vote. Uh, a C placard represented um, uh, the vote for City, and an F placard represented a vote for Lester Foss. And for those who are not watching right now, you, uh, I have a background photo of fans holding up their votes. Uh, I think there's only like two Fs in the whole picture. Um, the 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 cities. Cities won it by pretty wide margin, and the issue was kind of put to bed forever and probably will remain that way because of all of the success um, that we have had since then as Leicester City Football Club. Such a unique, cool, cool story uh, and and cool chapter in our club's history. Um, obviously cool now that we can look back on it because it turned out the way it did and, and we have this wonderful club to cheer for, but could have gone a much different way, Chris. Oh, yeah. oh, I was at that game, Matt. It was a whirlwind. That 2002 season was bonkers. Oh, I see you holding up that F. <laughs> I, I was 100% a C guy at that point. I remember that that season was bonkers. It was the first move to the Cape, to the Walker Stadium at that point. We right. got relegated the season before. Um, mm-hmm. Just an incredible up and down roller coaster. I think we finished second that year to Portsmouth and got straight back up. I've, um, but yeah, just a whirlwind of emotions. I think you yeah. go from the go from the highs of being up there, and then when you get back to the Premier League, and then just to the lows of looking back, thinking how close we were. Yeah. So we're all folding. Um, and I, I think a big thing was Muzzy is it staying through that. Yeah. He basically, you know, he was the player that got us up that season. He was by head and shoulders. And he could have left, but he didn't. And you know, right. for, for, that's why I used to wear an is it shirt before then and Probably. still happy to do it. And, and I did get to see meet him. And it was probably that I was the most excited. Okay. Matt, as the as the kick connoisseur, correct me if I'm wrong, but was that the first time? Was that the season as well? We moved away LG. from Fox Leisure. Yeah, that was the well, that was the LG kit, and yeah, um, the LG kit. The, the, the <laughs> I, I just I think you know when people are bitching about Claude Puel and different managers and stuff, it's just like I picture Mickey Adams just comes up in my head, and you. You look at I it's just crazy. We won't stick on this, but it's just where we've come and where we are now, guys. It's it's really hard to complain and bitch. And I and that, believe me, I'm the number one guilty person of it. Um, but the fact is we are a Premier League club. Um, we've won a Premier League and, and see where we were. Mm-hmm. It's just it never ceases to amaze me. Chris, so you were at the game voting on the the yeah, you know, what would be the next game. So I'm wondering, um, 
what was your motivation behind your C vote besides the fact that maybe you had a few pre-match beers and thought that it might have stood for Chris? You know what it was, mate? And I could, <laughs> the, <laughs> this sounds ridiculous. When they were talking about the history of Leicester Foss, the first game that Leicester Foss ever played was against Syston Foss, my home little town. Yeah. They battered us 5-0. So even <laughs> so at that point, I was like, you know what? No way. No so, way. So what you're saying, Chris, is Matt might be holding a grudge from from the weekend. You're holding a grudge from 120. Yeah, 120. Years ago. <laughs> Chris, were those uh, were were they double side? Was there a C on one side yeah. and an F on the I other? I believe okay. there were. Yeah, and I think as well they were Leicester Mercury sponsored at the time as well, or the Mercury had something to do with it as well because obviously mm. they had 2002. They were kind of a big thing. Uh, I, I thought you were going to say, Chris, that like you couldn't get behind anything. What have the Romans ever done for us? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Chris is a known Roman hater. Um, I that would be a really sweet piece of memorabilia. I got to fucking say, if you got one of those, please tweet us because I would love to see your twenty-year-old sheet of paper from the vote day. Uh, that'd be pretty sick. I do think that most of them wound up as paper airplanes and thrown on the pitch, right, Chris? <laughs> I'm not surprised. I'm that was a surprised. just to wrap it up. That was a fun season as well because that was the first, I think, one of the first ever games we played Millwall at home that year, and Millwall were banned from taking away fans sure. because of all the trouble. So it was one of the first and only games I've ever been to where it was a sellout at the KP, and it was just Leicester fans everywhere and that was absolutely awesome awesome. like a testimonial man that's awesome man well cool um guys i think uh unless anybody else has anything else i think it's a perfect note to end this week on a high a high nice happy note um and yeah i i think going in that there'd be nothing else more needed than uh heading with that attitude heading into arsenal for us and the players for that matter so um yeah guys big match saturday let us know where you are please use that hashtag us boxes i love 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 hitting that retweet button um and seeing y'all together and hanging out and hugging and drinking together and celebrating this little club that we all love so much so please use the hashtag and send us those pictures of y'all hanging out because uh nothing makes us happier i guarantee it uh than to see that happening around the country um on that note thank you uh to those of you that faithfully listen to us every week and tell your friends to uh, listen, the numbers just keep going up and up on the, am- the amount of people that listen to this little pod, guys. So thank you so much for that as well. And, uh, yeah, for Chris, Jason, and Jim, I'm Matt. Uh, and we will see you next time on the U.S. Boxing Podcast. Cheers, guys. Cheers.